KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Youth sports was a big part of my childhood. I played soccer. I played baseball. I loved it. Got a lot out of it, like friendships and learning the importance of teamwork. But now I'm a parent, and I've got to tell you, my view on youth sports has evolved, and I don't think I'm alone. There's a lot to fix. I think this is an American problem. I think that in most other developed countries, all kids have access to quality youth sports, and they also have access to quality coaching, which really changes the game for youth sports. That's Dr. Amy Giddings. She is the chair of the Sport and Recreation Management Program at Temple University. One of the big problems in youth sports, well, it really isn't the kids, it's the parents. Kids actually said during the pandemic that they had a lot of fun when they were able to do youth sports. And one of the reasons they said that is that their parents couldn't come. Sorry, parents, we're limiting this because of the pandemic. Honestly, that might be a good way forward. I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio In-Depth, Amy Giddings breaks down the good and bad of youth sports today. So off the top here, do we have a good idea, ballpark, how many kids take part in organized youth sports in the U.S.? It's very hard for us to be able to quantify the exact numbers, because when we talk about organized youth sports, we aren't sure in terms of the reporting you know, how many of the smaller or maybe nonprofit organizations that are offering youth sports are actually reporting their numbers. But we know that, you know, as recent as 2020, about 54% of youth participated in youth sports. And that would be, you know, ages 6 to 17. But we do see that the number is likely much larger in the younger ages. We see a significant drop off around age 11 or 12. Do we get the idea that youth sports is growing? Is it stagnant? Is it starting to decline? You know, what way is the arrow pointing just as far as participation is concerned? We've seen, I think that the pandemic was really a challenging time for youth sports you know, we saw a significant decline and it hasn't come up to pre-pandemic levels again. But what's interesting and what we found is that youth sports was already on the decline. It's been challenging for young people to find sport opportunities. You know, we're in a pay for play type situation. And as youth sport gets more and more expensive, becomes more exclusive, we have fewer young people being able to participate. So we were seeing a decline before the pandemic. The pandemic hit, you know, pretty hard in terms of youth sports. We weren't able to come together um, unless an organization had significant resources. They weren't able to provide unique opportunities for kids to participate during the pandemic. And so, again, we've seen a lot of challenges post-pandemic in terms of kids getting back to sports. When it comes to the cost, when did it start to become cost prohibitive. And we're kind of painting with a broad brush here because depends on the sport and where you are. But, uh, you know, the, the idea that just playing in a youth league could cost so much, where is that money going? Like, what is what is driving the these costs to these leagues where kids, in some cases, can't afford it? It's actually a great question, Matt. No one's ever asked me that. You know, people are always talking about the cost and how does that prevent, you know, young people from participating, but really understanding where the costs go. Like, why do you have to charge so much? You know, this is actually something that is really near and dear to my heart is that 
we do not have a good structure in the United States for being able to offer youth sports at a competitive price like other countries do. We don't necessarily pay our coaches. There aren't significant government dollars to be able to do that. In most other countries where you have a club system, for example, go to your local club to participate in sports. The coaches that are at that club are paid a full-time salary. Most of the coaches that you've likely come across have been a volunteer parent, et cetera. The costs are enormous when you think about facilities, actually renting them or maintaining them, uh, marketing costs. The insurance has become almost prohibitive for some sport organizations to insure their board of directors in a nonprofit situation and or the owners and directors in a for-profit organization. I assure you the coaches aren't making a ton of money. They're they're working a lot of hours and they're not making a lot. And so when you see those costs, I think, you know, increasingly we're aware that parents are willing to pay, at least a small demographic are. And in those cases, a coach may be able to make a living out of doing those types of programs and running multiple club teams. But when I've looked at coaches that are making a full-time salary in youth sports in particular, it's because they're maintaining multiple teams, which I think is really challenging. It's not great for our young people, you know, but the costs have become really extensive. And again, I think this is an American problem. I think that in most other developed countries, all kids have access to quality youth sports and they also have access to quality coaching, which really changes the game for youth sports. When I played, it very much felt like you were playing baseball or soccer in my case, and it was just kind of a vehicle to have fun on the weekends, hang out with your friends. You know, there was camaraderie, teamwork, learning some life lessons, but it was not, by no means was it ever looked at as a gateway to bigger and better things. Now, I wasn't any good, so that probably had a lot to do with it. But now I feel like, Youth sports is almost exclusively looked through the prism of, well, where is this going to get my child? Is this going to get us a scholarship? Is this going to get us fast-tracked into a professional league? You know, we have to start getting into the pipeline. Like, first of all, am I am I being fair in the characterization over the last 40 years? If so, was this a gradual thing? Did certain things happen along the road that kind of changed the dynamic of youth sports? Or is this always where it was eventually going to go in a capitalist system? That's a huge question. <laughs> so Matt, I'm sure you were good. Um, but I think that if we understand why youth sports were created, so youth sport was meant to be a way in which we could teach skills for the military. So when you think back to like the 20s and 30s and 40s, we had youth sport opportunities because this was teaching young people skills that would be helpful once they got into the military. And so you started to see organized sports be a vehicle for people to learn those skills, which is interesting. You started to see sport change as, you know, jobs changed in terms of, so if we had a significant manufacturing jobs these after school evening weekend sports were good because maybe your parents worked a manufacturing shift that then allowed them to be able to, you know, give you something to do while they were working or after work, etc. Um, I think now people have significant free time. And in that significant free time, they're really looking at, can I get my kids these opportunities? And you're right, we've gotten to a system where with 
college sports, people believe that they're helping their son or daughter be able to get a college scholarship or somehow be better in life. I am always a critic of this. I'm a significant critic of it because I think the best way to get a college scholarship is to study. But I was a scholarship athlete. So I had a full scholarship for rowing. I absolutely loved my experience. But did that change my life and my outcome? No, I could have went to college without doing that. And I would have been just fine. And so there's so much pressure being put on kids now. If you go to a, you know, a youth basketball game ages six to eight, you are hearing parents screaming at their kids to make sure that their kid is, you know, the star on the team, someone that everyone looks at is the best because somehow they believe this will help their child, you know, succeed in life. And, you know, we know from research that that's just not the case. In fact, the skills that you learn in youth sport don't have a lot to do with whether or not you're a good athlete. The drop off around age 11, as far as participation, to what do we account that for? Do we know why that drop off happens at around that age? Yeah, there's a number of reasons. I think that burnout's one of them. I have my own personal story. My uh, middle son was a phenomenal baseball player, was playing on multiple teams. He was a really good catcher and he felt nervous to quit. And he really wanted to quit around the age of maybe 14, 15, simply because he didn't enjoy it. And that's how he explained it to us. And it was hard for him to say it because I think he felt he was letting us down. And so, you know, again, that burnout, I I could see it in him that he was just done. He didn't enjoy the sport anymore. My nervousness was that he wouldn't have the opportunity to keep going in sports. So luckily he did pivot and, and he's in other sports now. But that was a wake up call. I'm like, wow, I'm your parent. I recognize what's wrong with youth sports. And this happened to you, you know, that you burned out. But he was feeling the pressure and he was just feeling the pressure to, you know, always be on a top team, always have a good batting average. Like, you know, what were my did I have any errors? You know, it just it was nonstop. And I don't think it was fun anymore, which is really unfortunate. So burnout. Yes. I would also say that there are some gender differences about a young person's decision not to play sports anymore. We know that around that age of 11, young girls start to experience changes in their body because of puberty. And that might be good or not in terms of how they're experiencing themselves. And they start to recognize how others are looking at them. So what can happen there, for example, is, you know, maybe someone has hit puberty earlier than someone else they're starting to feel uncomfortable in their body. They don't necessarily want to have everyone watch them play sports. Maybe they're much bigger or much smaller than other girls. And so it can be really challenging. So having a coach that really understands that dynamic of young girls in terms of where they're at in their maturation is significant. That can really make or break whether or not a girl stays in sports at that time. Boys also can become increasingly self-conscious around that time. As other young boys, maybe again, are developing faster than they are, or maybe they are developing faster than others. And so for them, it isn't as much of people looking at them, although we're seeing an increase of that for boys, but it's more so as I can't keep up anymore. Like I don't have the speed. I don't have, you know, the agility that other guys have because I'm developing differently. And we know that we don't see people really kind of level out in terms of their skills really into their 20s especially for boys. Sport should be fun. 
we do want competitive sport experiences because I think, you know, Matt, whatever you felt you learned on the soccer pitch, it probably had to do with problem solving, leadership development, communication, you know, interpersonal relationships, those kind of things. That's really probably the benefit that you got. It didn't matter if you were good or not. But if we have kids that are fully focused on whether or not they are competitive or are the best athlete, well, now they've lost that opportunity to learn all of those developmental skills through youth sports simply because they quit because someone said they weren't good enough at that time. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Amy Giddings right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. We are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation about youth sports with Dr. Amy Giddings of Temple University School of Sport, Tourism, and Hospitality Management. Our conversation has looked at a lot of the, the negatives, the things kind of holding back. What are we getting right with youth sports? What are the big positives that you can see out of the way we kind of handle youth sports in America today? In my capacity in the work that I do, I'm noticing more and more focus on coach training and coach development. And I think that's a massive improvement. Before we used to joke that, you know, a high school athletic director would be happy to hire you if you had a pulse and clearances, right? It's like, great, you're hired. And yet we say that Coaches sometimes are the most impactful person in a parent in a child's life. Well, we make teachers go to undergraduate school for four years and then continue to do professional development on a monthly basis. But we're saying coaches are the most impactful and we require nothing. You know, Pennsylvania was the 49th state to require basic coach education, which is actually just an eight hour online training. It's very basic, right? It just should be something to get you in the door, not something that says you're a qualified coach. In other countries, we, you know, an undergraduate degree is definitely required in addition to much higher level certifications and licenses. And so coach development and training is significant. More and more, we are focusing on coaches and developing coaches. And that makes me really happy. The second piece is we have a whole nother space now in youth sports which again has been a, a global phenomenon. I actually think the U.S. will really become a strong player in this space. And we're seeing it already over the past couple of decades. And that's sport-based youth development. And these are youth sport programs that have a developmental focus. So for example, if you play Philly Youth Basketball, so that's a nonprofit organization in Philadelphia. Kids come and they play basketball, but there's also components about learning math and reading and nutrition. And that's woven into the youth sport experience. And so Philadelphia has the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative that has number of organizations all doing sport-based youth development. I would say, you know, more than 40 organizations in Philadelphia that are doing this um, either with a specific sport or multi-sport type approach. And then There's other hotbeds around the U.S. that are also doing this. New York City, D.C., New Orleans, Miami, L.A., Seattle, just to name a few of them, right? So I think there's a lot of cities that are gravitating towards this and really trying to think about youth sport a little bit differently. It seems to me, and this is just anecdotal, so many of the problems you see in youth sports is parent-driven problems of, you know, parents 
unrealistic expectations. I mean, in some cases, we're seeing violence. Like, it seems like a lot of the problems stem not to the kids, but to the parents and the adults. What are things that parents really need to kind of hardwire into them when it comes to trying to support their kids in youth sports? Okay, I'm smiling, Matt, because we both said that we're parents. So this is hard. You know it's hard. I mean, you're sitting in that uh, whatever, you know, you're at this game and it's intense. And if you were an athlete yourself, especially, or you're just a competitive person, it's really hard not to get, you know, really involved in that. One of the problems is we're all there too much. <laughs> Kids actually said during the pandemic that they had a lot of fun when they were able to do youth sports. And one of the reasons they said that which was very telling, is that their parents couldn't come. Sorry, parents, we're limiting this because of the pandemic. Honestly, that might be a good way forward <laughs> because I feel like, again, that should tell us something. Our kids had more fun when they weren't performative for us. I also know myself, and I tell other parents all the time in doing parent workshops in youth sport, I say, listen, if you aren't the kind of person that can just chill and enjoy yourself, you know, enjoy watching your child play a sport. Don't be that close to the action. When my son played baseball, I sat out in right field. You know, and people would say to my husband, oh, your wife, you know, she doesn't want to sit over here. She's not social. And he would laugh. I'm the most social person. But I know myself. And I know that's not right for my son because I would start yelling. So I knew that I needed to sit out in right field by myself. And that's fine. But for those parents that do want to watch, I think it's just be there for your child, right? And make sure your child knows, hey, you're probably not going to hear from me during the game. You know, like, don't expect me to shout or anything else. I just want to watch you have fun. And I think consistently saying that to your kids lets them know it's not that you don't care, that you're not shouting or yelling anything when other parents are. It's that you're just trying to be there in support of them. And I think also making sure that kids know, hey, I want to watch you have fun. Enjoy yourself. Given what we've talked about when it comes to parental adult behavior, we're seeing more and more concerns about lack of officials, lack of referees, lack of volunteer coaches, because the cost-benefit analysis of, I enjoy working with the kids, but I have to have five arguments a day, and in some extreme cases, go home a different way every time because I'm worried somebody might follow me. Like I'm not saying this tongue-in-cheek, like... Are we headed for a crisis just from a people just don't want to be bothered because everything around the game just isn't worth it for volunteering or a small stipend? So there is a real problem with the shortage in officials across all sports. There's no sport experiencing a situation where they feel good about the number of officials that they have right now. I would say we go back to the pay issue. So, you know, when we're trying to keep costs down, it's really challenging to be able to pay people. Like what you said, Matt, they're getting yelled at. We are really looking at that in terms of like the sport management industry. What could we do to be more supportive to, you know, help to recruit and retain officials? But it is a real challenge in particular in youth sports. Look into your crystal ball 10, 15 years from now. Do you think we'll be in a better place in youth sports so I wish I did have a crystal ball. If you know where I can get one, let me know. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you know, I'm an eternal optimist. And so it would be very easy for me to say, no, I don't see a lot of changes. And I think there is an element of that until we get real structural changes in terms of how we manage youth sports, how youth sport is funded, 
real policy changes at federal and state levels, I think that it's going to be hard for us to get away from this trajectory for sure. However, the optimist in me also wants to share that as a parent, you can find situations you know, uh, where there are youth sport opportunities that are beneficial to your child. You can look at different organizations. You can identify, okay, does this organization really support what I'm looking for for, you know, my child? I would also really look at some of the rec, you know, sport opportunities that are out there, you know, and, you know, in Philadelphia, for example, the Parks and Recreation offers a lot of different opportunities those like non-pay for play have a little bit more opportunity for kids to just be able to show up, play, have fun, go home, not necessarily thinking they had to be, you know, the next LeBron James. But you have to be very purposeful to find those because I do think that we have a real challenge in youth sports in the United States. I don't, I don't see us drastically changing our trajectory at this point, but it is very strange because those of us that are aware of how college scholarships work, the chance that a, a young person playing youth sports right now is going to get a college scholarship for that sport is slim to none. It is very low. It, it's hard to explain that to people. And that's why I opened up saying, hey, the best way to a college scholarship is to study. That is the better way to get funding to go to school. But as long as we have that sort of dangling money in front of you, it's people are going to want to try to push their kids so they can get that. And that's, that's unfortunate. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.